up, y'all? It's your girl, KB, and thank you so much for tuning in to the Heart Combos podcast. So today, we have a very special guest here, the one and only Mr. Marcus Johnson. He is a professional athlete and currently plays for the Indianapolis Colts. And so, y'all make some noise for this wide receiver right here, Mr. Marcus Johnson. <laughs> yes. And so, um, I, y'all know me. I'm, I'm here to have a heart combo about pretty much anything, and I have the privilege of being able to do life um, a little bit with this gentleman. So I thought it would be really cool for y'all to hear his story, uh, kind of the ups and downs of what goes on in 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 the life of a of an athlete, and um, kind of how how a professional really deals with those low points. You know, especially when it's all on the line and the risks involved and all that good stuff. So we're gonna dive into that story a little bit today. So say what's up to the people, Marcus. How y'all doing, people? <laughs> the Heart Convo fam, the heart fan convo base. How y'all doing? Uh, I'm excited. Listen, tell the people where you're from. I and uh, yeah, let's start there. Tell the people where you're from and just a little bit of your story. Like you played in school, football. How did that go? Did you always want to be a, a professional athlete? Yeah. Uh, so uh, Marcus Johnson, uh, born in Lamarck, Texas, raised in Friendswood, Texas. So that's about 30, 40 minutes from the Houston area, for anybody who may or may not be familiar with that. H-Town. H-Town. And uh, uh, football's been a passion since I was about six years old, which is crazy from so early on of an age, knowing that I had a passion for it. And my dad always tells me a story about the first, the fir- and I, I remember this like it was yesterday, which is crazy too. My very first practice ever, the League City Cougars. It was raining, gloomy day. My dad takes me out, like, okay, we signed you up, everything's good to go. And the very first practice, they had me playing on on the defensive side of the ball. And before I, I even knew what football was, I was watching the running back run around the offense. And I'm like, I want to do that. Why they have me over there? Why I can't? And uh, I remember leaving the practice crying. Mm. I walked over to my dad, like, I want to play running back. I want to be on offense. And they got me on this side doing this. So he talked to the coaches, and literally the rest was history. They put me at running back, and it was just uh, instant passion. From And at this point, like I said, six, seven years old, I loved it. And I played that all four years in Little League running back. Wow. So here's the thing. I feel, I, I, with the exception of me, I feel like most people play sports in school. You know, like that yeah. is – this is a thing you play, but not everybody in their mama is a professional athlete, obviously. So, like, what is that? How do you know when you're like, oh, I want to do this, like, or I'm good and even not even maybe want to, maybe you wanted to, but like, you know that you were good enough. When did you know you were good enough to do it? At least from high school to college, what did that look like? Uh, it was actually a big transition. So when I'm talking about little league football. I had a really, really, really good start to football. Like my four years in Little League were like amazing. It was great. And then get to middle school, you start getting introduced to injuries and struggles. And now these kids are older, they're bigger than you, and you have to adjust your game. I was faster than everybody in Little League. I was just, at that point in time, gifted enough to just have my way on the field, mm-hmm. which I think made it fun. Okay. A lot of kids may not look at sports that way. You struggle early on, then it's like, I don't know if I like it or not. I had early success. So then I get to high school, and my freshman and sophomore year, I'm, like, completely lost. I went from something that I thought I had so much passion for to something that I'm questioning if I'll be able to take it to that next level. Mm -hmm. And at this point in my life, college football is just like a, 
you know, it's like a distant dream. It's like, oh, that'd be cool. Like, right. I want to be there. I'm working to be there, but I'm trying to figure out high school. So right, right, what right. makes me think college <laughs> yeah. is just going to be uh, the next step? Okay. And that's when it clicked for me. So my dad talked to me, and I always tell people the story. It was my freshman year in high school, toward the end of the year. And he he had been sitting back from a distance from my eighth grade year to the freshman year and kind of seen it unfold. And he sat down with me one day and he said, son, you'll, you got to have a vision for yourself. He said, the reality is you're not working hard enough right now. He said, I know it. I think you know it. And at some point or the other, if you truly want to take this game to the next level, you got to realize your friends and guys that you're playing with you know, y'all all have a signing day, mm. which is the senior year, everybody. Letter of intent, what school I'm going to. Sure. And for whatever reason, it just hit home for me. He was like, those guys who put the work in will be signing their letter of intent, and you don't want to be the one left out wishing you could have did more. And for me, that just like, I don't know, that, that just was God speaking through him to me. Yeah. And my dad talks all the time. He'll tell you that. <laughs> I'll tell you that. He's always going, giving me advice. But like I said, that stood out. And I remember, like it was yesterday, sitting there listening to him, and everything clicked. Like, I didn't know how I was going to do it, but I knew what I needed to do in the sense of work ethic. Sure. So I just went grind mode. Like, I was like, you know what? I'm going to just give it everything I have. And at the end of it, at least I'll know I have no regrets. So sure. once that letter of intent day, is, it comes and I'm a senior, mm -hmm. at least I'll know I, could, you know I took care of what I could control. Listen, yeah. shout out to Pops <clears throat> for the heart combo. <laughs> it, it, for the heart, heart to heart, for real. For real. Really, like, had he not sat down with you and said, you know, been honest, like, listen. Yeah. <laughs> at the rate that you're going right now, this is where you're going to end, and I don't think you're going to want to end up in this place, or at least not have the option. Right. You, go, you know what I'm saying? Like, so, which is really cool, because the last several uh, interviews that I've, I've been able to do with people, it's that same thing. Like, there was a key conversation that somebody had that was kind of like their wake-up call. Yeah. You know, like, listen, if, if you don't do something now, you're going to find yourself, you know. And I think that's the conversation that we should all be having about our life, about mm -hmm. who we are as people and in our relationships and friendship, whatever it is we're talking about. Like, uh, being able to assess, where am I at right now? Where do I want to go? And am I doing what I need to do in mm -hmm. order to be there? So, I listen, he's already the MVP of the story because yeah. no, he, <laughs> he was the one. He was the one that, that was that, that changing moment for you. So... You work really hard. You clearly had a signing day. Yeah. Okay, so where did you go to school? University of Texas. All right. Which was my dream school. Uh, me and my mom, when I was in fifth grade, still in Little League at the time. Mm -hmm. And at this point in my life, I'm like, you know what I'm saying? The world, like, it, the, the possibilities are endless. Of course. <laughs> and we're, we're rearranging my room, and this happened to be the national championship, Texas versus USC. Mm -hmm. uh, and the whole Vince Young and the way that that game went for them to pull the upset off and to bring the Natty back to Texas. People don't understand. In Texas, it's Texas Longhorns A&M. So I always was a Longhorn person. Mm -hmm. But after that game, I remember looking my mom in the eyes. And I'm like, Mama, that's why I'm going to school. And my mom, she she's laid back. She was like, you got it. Like, yeah, yeah. You know say. But my dad's the enforcer. Okay. He's like, yeah, your mom patting you on the back telling you, yo, you're going to do this. <laughs> but this is what you need to do. <laughs> So, yeah, Texas, signed my letter in 10 with them. That was my dream school. Okay. How did you, now, did you show up in college? Like, were you the superstar, like, the man? Like, what did, you, what did it look like? As, like, so as a recruit, um, I, was, I was recruited everywhere in Texas. I wouldn't say I was a national recruit, like okay. a big, big-time guy. Okay. 
but in the state of Texas, I was known. So, okay. Yeah, it was coming in. Uh, it it was love, but in my at my like so I I tell y'all my freshman sophomore year, I'm like how am I gonna get there? Going playing college ball is kind of like a distant dream. Then I'm here, and it's kind of like. I've had success in high school, so now I'm thinking, oh, I'm about to come ball out. Like There we go. I went from this to, yeah, I'm about to come in and ball out. And it went really well early on. So we had, like, spring ball. I mean, not spring ball. We had summer workouts, uh, two-a-days, all that leading up to the season. And I'm playing well, but then about halfway through the two-a-days leading into the season, I just hit a wall, and I wasn't playing good enough. Mm. And I wasn't patient enough to red shirt, which was probably – Looking back, if I could do it again, I don't have regrets, but that would be something that I would have did differently. And God willing, I have, you know, son or daughter, I'm going to let them know, like, be patient. Yeah. Consider being redshirted and taking that year to develop yourself. But I wanted to play, and I thought, well, anything could happen, so I'm going to just, I'm not going to redshirt, and I'm going to try to, I'm going to just play. And nothing happened that whole first year. Mm. It was just nothing. Mm. And I'm, me and the coaches are arguing, we aren't winning, I'm not playing. And it was, it was bad. So the fresh, my freshman year was like, and the way Texas is set up, when you a lot of people don't understand, when you go to these big schools, it's just like the NFL. Like, I had a down year as a freshman. A lot of guys will transfer mm-hmm. or they'll go somewhere else because they, they know, like, a whole nother recruiting class is coming in. Yeah. And at Texas, you're getting four or five-star recruits, the best yeah. players in the nation. Yeah. yeah. So I'm already with these guys who I came in with as a recruiting class, and now we're getting – and the class after us was like a big-time recruiting class. Mm-hmm. We had these – all oh, this receiver has set, like, these Texas State records yeah. and we're leading the nation. Coaches are talking about them. Now it's kind of like you're just kind of an afterthought now. Sure. And it, like I said, it just goes back to my support system. My mom and my dad just continuing to say, look, you know what you got to do. Like, you've been here before. You've been in that place. So my sophomore year comes and I have a breakout season. During that time, it was also adversity. So during training camp, my sophomore, going into my sophomore year, I have a a grade two sprain in my MCL, which could have been a torn MCL, which probably would have put me out for the season. Okay. So it took me about, I missed the majority of that training camp, which I was balling. The two a days, I'm like, oh yeah, I'm good. Like I'm I'm coming into my own. Boom, I get the injury in my knee. Fast forward, I miss. So I missed the majority of the two-a-days. Then we go into the season. I didn't play the first three weeks. I had freaking tape on my knee, a brace on. Mm-hmm. And then week four, one of the receivers gets hurt. And the coaches knew my frustration at this point. I'm hot. It's been, a, it's been over a year since mm-hmm. I've been here. Mm-hmm. I don't feel like I've even get, been given a legit opportunity. Mm-hmm. So when the guy went down, they could have easily took one of the underclassmen. They could have took somebody else and gave them the opportunity. But they were like, you know what? They saw me. They saw my frustration. I remember my coach looking at me like, this is your chance. Like, put up or shut up. Mm-hmm. I forgot what he said to me, but he pissed me off too because <laughs> the way he said it to me was like, here. Like, mm. you frustrated, mm. you mad, huh? Mm. If you don't do something with this, don't worry. Don't come to me anymore. Don't right. even talk to me. Mm-hmm. And I went out there and balled out. Yeah. I remember <laughs> I remember because we played Kansas State. It was the first game of the, like, the actual Big 12. So the first three games in college football are out of conference. Then you get in the conference, mm-hmm. and we had Kansas State, which is always a legit opponent against us for whatever reason. And I ball, and I remember like I was making catch out the kid making these big plays, and I walked past the sideline, and I just look at him, and I just look dead at him, and walk past him like 
I told y'all, if y'all just gave me a chance. And uh, for like I said, from there, sophomore year was a breakout year. And then boom, junior year, senior year, struggle after struggle. And not banging the table. Oh, my bad, my bad. <laughs> you good. But uh, yeah, so junior and senior year were tough. It was really tough. And it derailed my whole thoughts of being drafted. I had to get nasal surgery before two-a-days, which took – I keep bringing up two-a-days because it's so important to your success going into the season as well as and an opportunity to play. Yeah. You, okay. It's like football, like NFL training camp. So all of your adversity was coming during the practice season. Early parts okay. of it, where you okay. establish yourself. Sure, yeah. So I had a nasal polyp. The doctor told me it was potential cancer. Oh, my God. It was – I'm telling you, it was crazy. So, <laughs> thank God it wasn't cancer. Right. They yes. removed the polyp. I missed like the first week, which like training camp. If you miss time in training camp in the NFL, it's like if you're not established, it's detrimental. It's like sure. yo, mm-hmm. two a days the same way in college. Mm-hmm. And for me to miss that week threw off so much. So for me coming from a breakout season, it was a lot of high hopes. And then, boom, it turns into like, okay, now I have to sit back. And other guys were balling. So, now they're in the front seat. Sure. We had a guy break out for 1,000 yards out of nowhere. A couple other guys played well. So, now I'm just a backup. And it was a it was a down season. It wasn't good enough. Same thing. So, end of, going into my senior year, we had spring ball. I tear my meniscus. Oh. So, that derails my summer workouts. Then we get into summer. Everything's going well. I mess around first game of the season of my senior year against Notre Dame, high ankle sprain. And after that, it was just like, it wasn't nobody but God for me to ball out against Oklahoma. Because that was like. Is that like your highlight? Yes. Okay. When NFL scouts looked at film, you wanted them to see the big games, obviously. Right. Oklahoma was like, it just always flashed. And I still say that was probably the biggest reason. That and my pro day were the biggest reasons why. I was able to get my opportunity in the NFL. Well, geez, we haven't even made it to the pros yet, and already you (laughs) – My gosh, I'm like, again, the the mental fortitude, like the amount of focus and tenacity that you have to have Hmm. amidst all of those different things. Because if you think about it, there's so much, I mean, in general, and I, again, I just talked about this in the last podcast. There's so many things in life that are outside of our control. We work really hard on the things that we can work really hard on. But it's even in your field specifically, you could be the most athletic, in shape, killing it. Your ability, your talent is there. And then one wrong hit, move, something. I watch, I watch football all the time with my husband, who is here with us actually today. And stuff will happen. Like, the, the smallest thing will happen. Hmm. I didn't even see it. Now the man's on the ground grabbing something. The people, you know, huddling around. And he limping off. And I'm like, see, this is why I'm this, this is what I know. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's, it's stressful. It's, it's just lot. too much, you know? And so I'm like, to, to, for you to face those things, that adversity, and then to feel like the odds are kind of stacked against you because, just naturally, because other guys are just doing what they're supposed to do. And hmm. you're not in the position to shine to your fullest capacity yet you you still kind of like trekking forward i think that speaks a lot because a lot i don't think that our generation and i don't in millennials or gen z i don't i don't know that we deal with uh opposition and adversity well all yeah. the time 
I think we're quick to be like, all right, forget this. I'm move on to the next thing. Like the next and so now, because you stuck with it and you were faithful, I think that that set you up for your professional situation because you went into the pros yeah. and faced adversity. <laughs> like, I feel yeah, like the little bit I know about your story, I'm like, brother, it's just been a straight grind, a straight grind. Yeah. And so tell the people what happened. You get um, to the pros. Who are you, what team are you on? Do you I, play? I come in undrafted, and I signed to the Philadelphia Eagles. Crazy side note, it came down to the Eagles and the Colts. At the beginning? At the very beginning. Mm. I could have easily been here. Those were the two showing the most interest, and I decided to go with the Eagles. And that worked out to your benefit because? Oh, man, yeah. Uh, the year always, you signed with them. <laughs> but I always tell people, Philly – and my introduction to the NFL was more about my faith mm. than it was about football. Okay. And it gave me an identity in, in my faith and in Christ. And that was the turning point in not only my life but my career. I had Carson Wentz, Trey Burton. Uh, I mean, Selleck was a part of that. Zach Ertz, Nick Foles. We had all these guys who were grounded in their faith and they were big leaders and big faces in the locker room. Mm -hmm. So our Bible studies were amazing. We have a great attendance for Bible studies and we all went to the same church and these guys didn't know me but it wasn't about football and a lot of places that I've been just growing up in Texas like your association comes from football mostly if you're in that world if you're in the football world so the respect that you get the connection that you have a lot of times is based off the football world mm -hmm. and this was one of the few times where I stepped into a locker room and I had people consistently keep up with me outside of football and what party I'm going to. Wow. It was, yo, we didn't see you at church. You won that Bible study today. And that was like a shock to me. I'm like, y'all, <laughs> it, it made me look at myself and really say, like, yo, you're not doing it right. Like, mm. I don't, like, it made me reevaluate the friends that I had in my life. It made me reevaluate the way that I just perceived what was important and it helped, not only did they hold me accountable, but it, it created a shift in my heart to hold myself accountable and to really realize that, Lord, I'm not, I'm not doing this right. And mm -hmm. I think we all know that we are in certain, a certain capacity, <laughs> but it's the conscious decision to say like, no, I'm, I'm gonna make a, a true effort to do better. Okay. And that's where it started with Philly. Now, when it comes to football. Wait, how many seasons were you with them? Two, two Okay, seasons. gotcha. Yeah. So first season. First season. Land, just resetting when it comes to your faith. Faith, exactly. Okay, that was That was a faith year, um, and it laid the foundation for that. And a lot of people don't know, my rookie year, I was playing really well. Like, going into training camp, I was going with, like, the ones and the twos. Okay. So, as an undrafted player, that's like, yo, you look, it's looking like you're going to make the roster. So, then we get into training camp, and I'm balling. Like, the first two, three days, like, I'm doing my thing. And, like. Third or fourth day, I popped my quad. And I'm like, you know, at this point I'm undrafted, and I'm like, I don't even know what's going to happen next. Because this is the team that invested in me. And just always hearing the stories about the NFL and how fast people move on, teams move on, I'm like, yo, I might just get lost in the shuffle. Mm -hmm. And nobody knew about it. Only the Eagles knew how well I was playing. Mm -hmm. I, it wasn't like I was putting it on film any games sure. where you could have other teams. No, this is with them. So I popped my quad. I missed two weeks of training camp. 
didn't even fully heal. I still have the divot in my car today from the mm. partial tear. But I had to go back out there because it was like, I just need to be out here these next two weeks mm-hmm. in order to. I shouldn't have, but I had to in order to keep my, you know, keep myself relevant amongst the team. And it worked out. I made the practice squad, fought through the injury, and then they cut me like a week later. I can't. I got, when I tell you I got my apartment ready, I had made my bed, I had got everything situated. I'm like, okay, cool, I'm here. They cut me the next week. Mm-hmm. I was on practice call with them for a week. They cut me. I was at home for two months going to workouts, going to different places. Nobody, I'm like, yo, this is. Oh. People asking me what's going oh. on. They signed me back. <laughs> I can't. So they signed me back at the end of November, and I finished the season with them on practice squad. So, at this point, it's like, yo, a lot, a lot's going on. And I've given some of the Young Life kids my testimony of, like, it really gave me, a, a, when I talk about my faith and that foundation, that, that offseason after my rookie year was when I had a true change of heart. And I remember, like, getting on my hands and knees. And I don't know about y'all, but when you <laughs> give your life to Christ, it's a step-by-step process. It's not something that just... Happen, or it's it's a it's a couple things that kind of unfold in front of you. But for me, it started with a prayer. Like I was in the cave, like I was confused. I'm not living right. I'm doing what I want to do. But then I'm when I was in Philly, I had these teammates who like really opened my eyes to what I should be doing, and I'm just a mess. And I remember getting on my hands and knees and like crying. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we all, when you're young, Lord, I'd never do it again, yeah. please. I, we do that all the time. But this was like one of the, this was the first time I was genuine. I could feel it in myself due to circumstance and so many things going on, which ultimately was him drawing, my, drawing me closer to him mm-hmm. uh, through life circumstance and struggles. I got on my hands and knees and I was like, Lord, I don't know what I have to do, but please, like, just help me take the right steps toward getting myself together and getting closer to you. Yeah. And I kid you not, in a matter of weeks, like things started coming up. And I had a decision. Like In these times, I could have lied like I used to lie. Mm-hmm. I could have went the other way like I used to go the mm-hmm. other way. Mm-hmm. And I faced them. Yeah. I told the truth. I stayed true to what I had talked to him about. And it was just amazing to watch it unfold. And it led to me being baptized. It led to me connecting with people who helped put me in a position to make the roster that year with, with Philly. Mm-hmm. And I was healthy. Mm-hmm. We go, we make, we win the Super Bowl. Come like, on. all these things are happening. And I always tell people, I don't associate success with giving your life to Christ. That's a, you know, if it's meant for you, it'll be there. But he didn't have to do anything for me. Sure, sure, it sure. Was, it, was, it was me being able to get myself together and have those events turn after the prayer to get myself together. And the rest of it was just a testimony of his grace and mercy for sure, me to sure. be able to do that. Baptism with uh, viral. I wasn't even going to post a baptism. Mm-hmm. I got baptized the night before our game against Carolina. Mm-hmm. And I was just thankful. I remember, like, I'm just like, I'm thankful. Though. I'm baptized. I used to always ask my mom when I was young, why didn't I get baptized? Yeah, like, you yeah, know, yeah. Got baptized. I was thankful. And I don't know if it was someone who talked to me about it. It was like uh, the pastor had some people come and they took pictures. Mm-hmm. And it was like, you should post it. I was like, um, you know, I, I wasn't thinking of it like that. So I went ahead and put it out there, and it just, Facebook, oh. like millions of people saw it. Wow. It blew up on Instagram. And I was like, Lord, that's nobody but you. That's, sure. not, that's not a coincidence. And 
uh, like I said, it was an amazing season. And right. Okay. So y'all win. You win the Super Bowl, but then you leave Philly. The league got traded. Yeah. And you get traded to where? Where did you go? Seattle. Okay, Russell Wilson. Yeah. Okay. Another so, brother in Christ. That's right. My, that's my guy. That's my guy. <laughs> okay, so you get you in Seattle. How was your time there before you like? In what does the transition from there really look like to the Colts? So we can get into what's been happening most recently. Yeah. So Seattle was weird. I got traded there. I had high hopes for it, but then I started to realize that they really wanted me for an insurance policy. Okay. They had a big time receiver get paid and go somewhere else. Sure. So they needed a person just in case the guys they drafted and had already been a part of the team didn't play well. And Philly was great. Like, they traded me because of the Bennett trade, and they told me straight up, look, it wasn't anything that you did. You know, we had a great season. We just came off a Super Bowl win. Like, right. It was great, but we couldn't turn this trade down, and it happened that you were, like, the incentive for Seattle to go ahead and confirm the trade. So, guy, I get there, and Seattle's weird. It was a, a, a time for me to reflect because I was confused. I was like, Lord, why take me from a situation where so much growth was going on? And uh, I, I finally started to see if maybe I was getting complacent. Maybe it was so much going on in Philly that was right mm -hmm. that it kept me kind of stagnant. I was still in a good place, but I wasn't being the leader I could have been. Sure. So... We get to get to Seattle and I meet Russell. Mm -hmm. Crazy side note on this one. Get cool with Russell and Tyler Lockett. Obviously, everybody knows Russell and Sierra. They're married, everything like that. Um, me, Russell, and Tyler make a song, and Sierra helped us uh -huh. like, <laughs> coordinate how we were going to do it. So we're literally in Russell's house. He got a chef cooking. He has like a sports psychologist pumping him up and talking to him. He got a massage therapist running around the house. He has, like, a media team. It was insane. Mm -hmm. Like, yo, you have so much going on. You had, like, he had, him and Sierra have to hire people just to help them live life. Yeah. And, like, do slow things. Most to... people of that caliber do. <laughs> <laughs> that was the first time I ever saw something like that. Yeah. Like, I was mind blown. I'm walking around the house like, yo, yeah. I'm thinking it's going to be him, and the kids. Sierra, and the kids. Oh, no. No. They got people just walking around like, yo, Listen, who is this? I wish I could have people walking around helping me with my one kid. Listen, I just ain't got it like that to do it, but oh I definitely my. would hire somebody. Yo, uh, it was crazy. That's crazy. Yeah. Okay, so you get, you're, you're in Seattle, kind of a weird situation, but again, some healthy community there. Yeah. Um, uh, with with the Wilsons and stuff. And Okay, so then you get to, oh, you have a question? Can we hear a verse from the song that y'all did? Oh, right, because oh, you like an underground rapper oh, yeah. right now. You, you, you recorded a song with Sierra. Yeah. I don't care about the other people. So. Oh. No, I'm going to have to get the song and show you. Okay, yeah, okay. We, we definitely got that. Well, it demands a follow-up question. It does demand a follow-up question. <laughs> and since we're transitioning to Indianapolis, I want to go ahead and just officially introduce um, the love of my life, my husband, uh, Mike, uh, who is here with us today. Hey. Okay. <laughs> Don't get it twisted. Um, yeah. Uh, so, so Mike is here because um, one, Marcus volunteers for Young Life, which is the organization that Mike is on staff with. Has been serving with them for a while. A while. Uh, north of. 17, 18 years, something like that. He's he's been grinding uh, with Young Life, really um, impacting the lives of inner city uh, youth uh, in lots of places um, around the country. And so, anyway, Marcus is a volunteer for Young Life, and as a result of Marcus coming 
to Indianapolis to play for the Colts. Him and Mike get connected in some way, and that kind of helps. I mean, that kind of speaks into the process of, of, of Marcus's story currently. So you feel f- the freedom to speak if you want to speak. How we connect. How do we connect? <laughs> so yeah. tell them that. I also used to be in Philadelphia for two Ooh. or three years. Mm-hmm. Um, was on staff there, and I met a person named Rob, who at the time was planning, part of a church that I was a partner, partnering with. And then he was planning a church himself. This is before he was with Timoteo. Mm. Uh, and um, I had gone and visited Timoteo, which is a sports ministry that at the time was football, flag football for kids. Yeah. Uh, now it's basketball, and I think they're trying to venture into some soccer stuff. But, um, yeah, uh, so fast forward, I'm here. I moved here because of my fantastic wife uh, to be. So we decided that it was either going to be Indy or Philly, and after some prayer, it became Indy. Mm-hmm. And um, but on Facebook, I saw Rob post a photo with an Indianapolis Colts player that he knew that had come to visit him, yeah. uh, or not visit him, but they were visiting because the Colts were in town to play the Eagles. And uh, I was, after the fact, I was like, Rob, I got to meet this guy. Um, Because in my mind, I've always been connected to athletes and sports and um, uh, have wanted to partner maybe with the Colts or whomever um, to do ministry in the lives, especially since I I primarily focus on guys playing sports in high schools. So... He, Rob's like, all right, let me talk. He put us on a group text, took a while. Marcus had gotten injured, which is a theme. Uh, in the story, right? In the now. story. And we finally, he finally came one time to this, the house. So that was where we were having young life. So that was how we initially met. We hadn't, I hadn't seen him, met him, anything other than texting. And he showed up to Young Life Club at a random person's house. Awesome. Which is usually how it goes with Young Life, random people's houses. Right. <laughs> because of a relationship with because. Rob. He trusted Rob not to send him to some crazy spot. Right. Right. Okay. So that's how you guys meet. So you're here, in, you're here playing for the Colts. Right. And you get injured. Man. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah I did. So uh. Seattle, like I said, it was weird. Seattle was a... It's quick. It, I got traded there. I was with them for OTAs and training camp. They had to make a decision between me and a receiver, Brandon Marshall, okay. who's a big name in the NFL. And they chose Brandon Marshall. But in the midst of that, uh, Frank Wright, who was the offensive coordinator in Philadelphia, was now the head coach at Indianapolis. Listen, if you don't see how these lines connect, hey. listen. So they worked out a trade at the end of training camp, and they traded me to Indy. So... It was slow at first. I was inactive the first game. Second week, they activated me, learning the playbook, playing special teams. And then it starts rolling quick. Like from there, week three, we're playing the Texans. And now, boom, I got a couple catches. I'm playing well. I'm doing good on special teams. Uh, we moved forward to – we played New England. Had a big catch against New England. Like, I'm growing, I'm growing. We go against the Jets. Boom, touchdown. Best, biggest game of my career up to that point. Same game that I had as, like, first NFL, like, official touchdown in the regular season. Big game. Toward the end of the game, 
kick or miss hits a ball in the squibs to me. So mm -hmm. I'm on kick off return, but I'm not the returner. Mm -hmm. I'm like, I'm supposed to just hit with the block. If it happens to come to me, I can return. He kicks it to me, and it's weird because I, I remember seeing it coming. I'm like, I don't even know if I want to catch this. And it just straight to me. I catch it. I bounce out, run out of bounce. Guy dives at me while I'm out of bounce. I tear three ligaments in my ankle. Get out of here. And in my mind, I'm like, yo, I wasn't even supposed to catch this like it wasn't even supposed to be going to me but boom first career like i told you i've been playing since i was six seven years old first career like season ending injury and i'm done it's that early with so much that seemed to be kind of just climbing and rising but it gave me a chance to sit back reflect and um dedicate time to young life and this is when I tell people Young Life really helped anchor me. I was hesitant at first. I remember meeting Mike and we in front of the kids and I'm just like, I don't know if I want to commit to this. And I'm going through it myself. So now I'm like, you know, I got this going on. And Mike was just patient. It was always, uh, you know, we're here, we're doing this. And some weeks I show up, some weeks I wouldn't at first. And he just always was encouraging me. He always was patient with me. Uh, he could have easily been like, look, this kid doesn't care. He doesn't want to come here. And I think Rob would have helped in that sense, just my commitment with Tim Oteo. And like, yo, no, he's a good kid. You just got to keep working with him. And I got over my own self-pity or frustration or whatever I was going through at that time. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to just – it was it was a time for me to sit back and be like, Lord, I'm going to just give it everything I got. Like this is a chance to just say – like I can work on my ministry. I can get with some good people and just see how it grows. I don't know what will come from it, but I'm I'm going to commit to it. And it turned into an every week thing. Wow. Then Mike started challenging me. So at first, I'm just sitting back. I'm eating a piece. I'm listening. <laughs> I'm laughing with everybody. So then Mike's like, okay, you coming every week. So when when you going to start talking to the kids? Like, are you going to start getting involved? Yeah. And I'm like, ah, I'm going to get to I'm I'm going I'm to do something. So it started out small, and then it grew. To, okay, I need you to speak now. Like, I know you've been nervous, but no more. I need you to do it. Mm -hmm. so and I, speaking, by speaking, you mean like giving like these encourage, encouraging talks. Exactly. Like, okay, up front. But he was, he was cool about it. He was like, look, just give your testimony. We're not going to get into an actual like word lesson and or, a okay. lesson. Okay. Just give me a testimony first. Okay. So that was like, that set the stage for me to be like, to get more comfortable talking to the kids. Mm -hmm. And it also challenged me to stay in my word because in my mind, I'm like, yo, Mike might hit me up any week. Like, it's your turn. It's your turn. <laughs> so uh, when I think back, everything that led up to being traded, the injuries and so much going well and the, uh, the ebbs and flows of, of what was going on during those couple of years, not only did it lead me to Christ in Philly, but then it led me to be a leader in the community. And I remember so, so much of my life, I would sit back and admire people like Mike who dedicate to the youth and they dedicate to the ministry and keeping the gospel going. But I would never sit back and say, I, I could see myself doing it mm -hmm. because I made excuses for it. Sure. Like, oh, they got it. They'll handle it. And I'll just kind of do my own mm -hmm. thing and support. But I think God was calling me to get deeper and deeper in the ministry itself and the gospel itself. And that's what it's, it's turned into that now. And that's a blessing. That's crazy. So, oh, go ahead, so Mike. Here's, so here's a funny story. So the first night, I was like, all right, I'm not going to tell anybody who Marcus is. He's just going to come in. And he, he's unassuming in the sense that he doesn't wear Colts get Yeah, not flashy. 
if I was him, I'd have be jeweled out. I'd be uh, every new shoe on. You know, you would have a picture of my catch that I had last week on my shoe. <laughs> That's why, Lord. All the all the custom work. All the custom work. That's why the Lord doesn't allow me to get is certain that why places. We, is that that's, why why we're that's why we're missionaries. That's why we're missionaries. That's why we're missionaries. Pride is strong, and um, <clears throat> so I didn't tell anyone. But he had a little University of Texas logo on, and so I think one of the guys that was there that I really wanted him to talk to asked him about, "Hey, so do you like Texas?" He goes, "Well, I played there." And so, you know, everybody's antenna goes up, and there's a small group of guys around him. He still doesn't say he plays for the Colts, but he played for Texas. So they leave it at that. Then I go to the school the next day, and um, I think I told one of, I told Cam, the guy, you know, he played for the Colts. He goes, yeah, I know, Raven told me. I go, Raven, how'd she know? He goes, well, she did a whole bunch of research on him. Because <laughs> uh, she <laughs> looked up players from Texas and finally found him. Uh, and so the girls were in love. Uh, Laura gave me a full rundown, not in love, but uh, Marcus has always just kept it about Christ and not about what he, uh, any accolade that he has uh, or, and whatnot. So that was just a funny first story of like everyone knew. I didn't tell anybody, but everybody knew because of this one student that the one slip up one slip play in texas you gotta be careful you gotta be careful you gotta be careful um well that is that is very um i mean it's just uh, there's so many things about your story that i'm just like it's a lot of holes like well what about this well yeah there are a lot of holes but you can just there are common themes too uh that i think speak to your again your character speak to the conversations that people were having with you. Like, again, you think back to that first conversation with your dad. You think about conversations with your parents in, in college, like reminding you. You think you get to the to Philly and the conversations they were having with you. Just even asking you questions like, mm. hey, like, where where are you at? Like, you know, like, talk, right. like implying expectation and, you know, like those types of things. And then the conversations you were having with yourself. Like, I see heart combos happening all throughout your story. Yeah. And then even getting here... <laughs> things are going well and then you know what i'm saying like something happens and all of it requiring this just tremendous amount of dependence on god mm-hmm. you know what i'm saying like for you like it's just it's huge and then this connection here mike has a conversation with a guy who connects y'all you eventually get to connect face to face and you start you start serving and that consistency because again your life is every week you know what i'm saying yeah, every single every week, week yeah. you know what i mean like just that consi- the consistency i think is really what speaks loudly to students, mm-hmm. you know, is that, oh, these people every single week are where they say they're going to be. Exactly. You know what I'm saying? Like, and they're going to do this particular thing. They know there's going to be food. Then there's going to be people there that love them. You mm-hmm. know what I'm saying? And that somebody's going to encourage them. You know what I'm saying? Like, in a, in a relationship with God. And so, um, so that just speaks so much. So how, how long has it been that you've been volunteering? Man, that's a little well, over I, a year now. Yeah, and I have another story, too, about Marcus, if you want to hear it. Oh, this is a heart combo. This is an unintended heart combo that me and Marcus had. Okay. okay. So Marcus is going to share his testimony mm-hmm. at, at club. Mm-hmm. I got to hear it first. Oh, okay. So that's that's just the routine. First of time course. speaking, I need to hear what you're going to say. And so I remember it was snowing, and we left church, and we because Marcus also goes to church here. We go over to Patachu. Took about an hour to drive over there because people sometimes can't drive. We get over there to talk about the talk, but then we ended up really 
talking about life. Okay. And we got talking about me and you and what I was looking for for a wife. So this, uh, feel free to edit this out if you need to edit this out later. <laughs> but, uh, oh. yeah, so I'm talking about the four things I was looking for, you know, like loves the Lord, good friends, um, loved our friends and family well, and uh, already, so, already submissive to authorities in her life. Mm-hmm. And then that led Marcus into this law, you know, like he was just, that was what was the conversation that needed for Marcus yeah, to tell me his life at that, that time. Yes, he that. <laughs> I definitely did. I remember that. Bro. So Listen, we, we had a, we had a, a heart, we had a heart combo. I need to just write this down. When I want real change in my life and I'm not sure what's going what's coming next, I need a heart to heart. That's, that's going to help really guide me to the next step. A heart Listen, you need those people in your life that's going to pull that stuff up out of you. You know yeah, what I mean? Because honestly, I mean, we're not staring that stuff in the face every single day, usually. Usually we have we are in the habit of masking it or avoiding it or just, mm-hmm. you know, stuffing it. And so the fact that, I mean, he was that probably just the levy that broke. Oh, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So, you know, it was, it was a good release. You needed that. Mike was like, well, I can't answer all of this. I don't have the answer. <laughs> I did say that. And I'm just going. In. How do you know? How do you this, yeah. this, 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 this? Listen. So it was good. But, you know, just like in this and what he was saying and, and related to football, he always says the best ability is availability. Mm. And they that's what they say in the NFL. And I would say that is in the life of with kids and with people yeah. is to be available and to be there, to be present. And Marcus has been that with the students here. He's like he knew. Not just on the football field. I need to be available for the students and to come to. I mean, he comes to leader meetings. He's helped us move. He, yeah. He's uh, we setting him up. He coming through, uh, coming over for Christmas. I think yeah, maybe yeah. with the fam. So we get to meet. Meet the fam. The fam. The, the, fam. the MVPs of the story. The, the MVPs <laughs> of the story. So it's gonna be a part two interview. That'll be great. Um, no, so. you're right. I think you're very, very right. And the availability piece is huge because I think when you're being available that means that you're showing up mm-hmm. and I don't think there are a lot of people I don't think there are a lot of people in life right now showing up you know what I'm saying like because what does that mean you said multiple times in your story that you question whether or not you was, like am I going to show up to this I'm just, whatever yeah. you know yeah. um, and I think a lot of things in life challenge us even to the, today before I got up in here to do this conversation I got some bad. I got an email I didn't want to read, hmm. and I just kept. I'm like, I don't know. Like, you right. know, you just get into this. Like, am I doing what I'm supposed to be doing? Am I where I'm supposed to be? Do I even want to keep trying to show up for this thing? You know, what I mean, when things aren't very clear right now, yeah. um, and what it look, what does that look like? It looks like, and the only thing that kept me from jumping off of a cliff, you know, what I'm saying, like in my thought thoughts, was a conversation. Right. You know, what I'm saying, like my aunt was like, let's okay, bring it back. I went to therapy this morning. My therapist was like, would you get it together? <laughs> she, yeah. she was like, what, what, do you, what email are we talking about? I'm not even going to tell you right now. We can talk about it all Because you're going to be mad too. <laughs> but one thing that I've learned is like when you're in that state, so it's like a two-part. When you're in that state where it's like, I don't know what's next and what's going on, mm-hmm. a lot of times it just takes doing the next right like the next Absolutely. best thing you know i think a lot of time we get so far ahead of ourselves yep. that when you can just say you know what it's a lot of chaos going on right now it's a lot of things i don't want to do 
It's a lot of things I do need to do. Mm-hmm. And you got to be able to just take it for what it is and say, I'm going to do the next right thing. Absolutely. Whatever the Lord is calling me to do, things that I know in my heart I need to get on to, mm-hmm. I'm going to just do that. And then the other part of it, too, for me, when you talk about the best, avail- the best ability is availability, people don't understand. I think a lot of times you sit back and it's like, oh, just availability, just being there. But the preparation behind that to consistently mm-hmm. availability is consistency. Mm-hmm. You can't say, uh, oh, well, this person is available without saying there's a consistency behind that. Mm-hmm. And we all know how hard it is to be consistent in mm-hmm. anything mm-hmm. in life, mm-hmm. whether you love it or you don't love it. So mm-hmm. uh, for me, what I've learned when it came to young life, it was just God's timing. I was at a mature enough spot to say, I'm going to consistently be here and be available where yeah. the old me would have showed up here and there and then eventually just kind of weaned off okay and then i wouldn't be anywhere near where i'm at right now just because now the lord has to rework my route to get me where he wants me to be sure and then another piece is the preparation that i found in my routine now that i'm back and i'm healthy um as a football player when you're available it means the preparation you put into your body you put into the game plan you put into the week to week grind and it's a lot that you deal with that it's like oh well, I'm going to just do this, but I'm not going to do this. And I'm going to encourage a lot of people listening to this as well as you two. There's a book called The Slight Edge. And it's really teaching me how to stick to a routine and how to do the little de- uh, the little detail parts of life consistently. Mm-hmm. And that's what it's all about. When you can consistently just stick to your routine, do what you, what you know you're supposed to do. The small things that we take for granted, they turn into a massive compound effect, a compound interest. And over time, uh, there's like a note, there's a part of the book where it talks about one penny, if it doubled its worth, yeah, in a yeah. matter of a month, for 31 days, it'd be $10 million. Almost $10.5 million. That one penny in a matter of 31 days, if it doubled every day. And that's what life is. The small things that we do every day that, you know, we don't put much thought into, sometimes we skip over it. If we can just consciously say, no, I'm going to do, do it. I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it when I feel like it, when I don't. We'll be right where maybe not exactly where we want to be, but where God wants us to be, mm-hmm. and it'll it'll all be clear. And that's what I've been learning from the book and just my habits. That's so. good. Well, listen, I'm excited for where you are in your journey. You are currently in a, I don't know what what would you call it. Are you on a high Are you on a high 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 place right now? Are you in a high place or I'm on a uh, a great. An rise. incline, a rise. It's, okay. a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a steady rise for sure. Yeah, yeah, and that's, I mean, and just knowing the ebbs and flow that have come with your journey, I'm sure there's like a level of surrender in your heart, right? You Where you just kind of got, I know things are good right now, but I also know that that can change. I you got on my hands and knees this morning. <laughs> and I had an intimate talk with the Lord. I yeah. said, hey, I just need to sit down with you right now and just meditate and just get some things off my heart. Like yeah. some things that kind of been on my mind. Uh, that come with this because this league is so uncertain there's so many things i can't control yeah and from us talking like we all all three of us know that but there's also a great call and when your heart's in the right place and you're living to please him Mm -hmm. everything that he has for you will come sure and so with me being hurt all those years and everything all that failure brought me to a level of success when you talk about giving my life to Christ, sure. having success in this league, getting to where I am right now. Mm-hmm. And now that I'm at this point, it's just a maturity that lets me know, like, Lord, I'm going to control what I control, but I'm giving it all to you. Yeah. 
So the injuries that I've dealt with, the things that the doubt that I've had, uh, as well as the success, like I give it all to you. And I'm just, I'm thankful. I'm at a point right now where I'm just thankful. I'm having fun and I'm just letting him control it all. And I'm trusting him in that. Yeah. And that's been a great piece for me. That's great. Well, thank you, gentlemen, both of you, for being uh, here on the Heart Combos Podcast today. It was such a rich conversation. And for all of you who uh, might be joining us for the first time, just listening, thank you so much for, for yeah, for tuning in to Marcus Johnson's story, wide receiver for the Indianapolis Colts. And so um, you can follow him if you want to find him somewhere on social media. What, what's, your, what's your handle? Uh, Mojo M D as in dog, J. Mojo M D J. And that's Twitter, Instagram. And Facebook, Marcus Johnson. Okay, Mojo MDJ on all the social media platforms and Marcus Johnson on Facebook. If you want to follow more of his story, if you were encouraged by anything he said today, please shoot him a DM or a message or a comment. Um, that would be awesome. Let us know. If you guys have any more questions, you can always send your questions in to askheartconvos at gmail.com. So that's A-S-K heartconvos with an S at gmail.com and we will do our best to answer them live on the podcast thank you again for being honest for 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 going there being authentic and and real with us today um and thank you too babe for being here if they want to follow you where can they find you at talk to mr newton mr newton 210 those are my initials no i didn't choose mr newton mr newton 210 uh on everything instagram Twitter, everything. Everything. If you would like to give to Pike Young Life, <laughs> Mr. Newton, do it at gmail.com. Give me the. Give We'll direct you. We'll direct you. We will direct you. Anyway, uh, remember, as always, beautiful people, it is not a hard conversation, it is a heart conversation. Until next time, peace. <laughs>